What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me again today, as she has been each and every week this season for our Picks of the Week episodes, is my coach, Charlie, and my friends, it is Rivalry Week, or as I affectionately prefer to call it, Hate Week. Uh, I talked about this earlier in the week, how it's a time of the year. This is where kind of like my seasonal depression really starts to set in with like the impending end of the college football season. But Rivalry Week, like... It's kind of that last call at the bar before you have to go back home and face the coming work week. That last taste of the good life before reality sets in and we all start going through the motions until the next weekend arrives. But um, it's going to be a great weekend of football, so let's live it up while we can. And as for our picks last week, Charlie, what are you doing? You are clearly cheating somehow. I don't cheat. You are clearly, there's no way, there's no explanation. I don't cheat. You have come from nowhere and are like, I think you, you're not quite in the lead against the spread, but you are making a serious run. Uh, but I don't know what you're doing, but you brought the heat last week with an 8-2 and two week, both straight up and against the spread. I don't mean like question your integrity, but like seriously, what's going on? Like, you don't this, mean to, but you are. But I mean like, I, like what's happening? This is crazy. But uh, you're doing a great job. I don't know what, what you're doing. Whatever you're doing is working, so keep it going. But uh, I, on the other hand, I, I, I didn't do poorly, but I didn't reach Charlie's level. Uh, I have to say that. Uh, and, and I do have one pick to own this week. As the weeks are winding down, I kind of find mes- myself in the position of trying to make some of those contrarian plays to catch up to our guest host and the straight-up picks. And and yeah, that uh, that didn't work out so well for me last week. My upset special of the week was Pitt on the road over Virginia Tech. Charlie and uh, Jamil both got this one right. I tried to play contrarian, and uh, it wasn't even close. Pitt got blown out 28 to nothing. Got to own that one. Virginia Tech is playing a lot better the last time I watched them play against Duke. Granted, that was much earlier in the season, but I, I kind of gave up on uh, the Hokies. I think they got blown out by Duke at home. But they made a change at quarterback after that game, and they've been much better since then. And of course, of course, it works out this way. The upset, I really wanted to pick. I warned you guys, but I, I put Oregon on upset alert last week. You know it, Charlie. I did. I put on upset alert. You did. You did. I put on upset alert. But I didn't have the guts to actually pick it. I wasn't bold enough. So, of course, the one game I was bold enough to pick uh, as an upset special, that didn't work out. The one game I wanted to pick, it did work out. So, uh, yeah, that's just kind of how these things work. But whatever. It's uh, still a pretty good week overall. But after her 8-2 and two week, Charlie's overall running season total now sits at 95-39 and 39 straight up. And get this, guys. I mean, it was it was a tough go, Charlie. The first the first half of the season with the, the spread against the spread picks, but you are now seventy three and sixty one against the spreads. That's just an incredible comeback there. Our guest host Jamil, he was awesome last week. We loved having him on, and he had the best week of all of us straight up, going nine and one straight up. But uh, he was only three and seven against the spread, so that brings our guest host season totals to one hundred and thirty four straight up. So, Charlie, you're still like you're within striking distance. Of their straight up total, you're. I mean, you made it five games against the spread this week, so maybe you can make it five games straight up next uh, this week. So we'll see. But uh, our guest host now sixty eight and sixty six against the spread. Uh, so yeah, we'll see how that goes this week. And my picks, uh, they weren't terrible again. They weren't terrible last week, but they weren't really great either. My efforts to make up ground on the straight up picks that that just fell flat with a seven and three week, and uh, I went five and five against the spread. So pretty much average across the board. Which now means my season totals sit at 97 and 37 straight up. Still within striking distance of their guest host straight up. And 77 and 57 overall against the spread. We've got two more weeks of picks. And again, we saw Charlie make up five games against the spread this past week. So it really is still anyone's game. And we tried to get some new blood on the show this week. But with Thanksgiving travel and family obligations for everyone involved on the show... Uh, we just couldn't quite make that work, but no worries at all. Actually, we're really excited because joining us this week to try to keep the lead in the straight-up picks and make up some ground against the spread for our guest host. Back for round three is our very good friend, Josh Stevens. Josh, welcome back, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. I am so excited to be on the show. Uh, when I got the chance to be back, I jumped at it. I am super excited, and I cannot wait to get into it. Yeah, man, like you, you set the standard for yourself, my friend. Like over the first two times you've been on the show, like you, uh, we've gotten a lot of great feedback from all of our, about all of our guest hosts. But uh, I gotta say, of all the people that we've had on, you're the one we got the most feedback on. So uh, it's a no-brainer <laughs> having you back on. We really, really appreciate you joining us here on short notice like that. No problem. Uh, no ready? problem. You ready, my man? Let's do this. I am ready. 
Let's go. First up, in a <laughs> Charlie's <rivalry>. ready. <laughs> Don't interrupt me. Sorry, you're ready. We're talking football. It's a very serious, serious situation. The most here. serious situation. Yes, I know. So first up, in a rivalry that is as heated as any of them out there, Ole Miss and Mississippi State will kick off rivalry week on Thursday night for the 113th edition of the Egg Bowl. It's been a down year for both teams, but Ole Miss has shown signs of life down the stretch, and Mississippi State still needs this win to be bowl eligible. I'm going to go with the home team in this one, so Mississippi State to win and cover. Josh, what's your pick? Charlie, I have to say, is so glad to hear your voice the last time I wasn't able to record with you, so I'm really glad to see you back. But um, with that being said, uh, this is going to be the most important game of the year for both teams. Uh, the season hasn't worked out the way that either team wants. Um, on paper, these teams aren't really far from each other. Kylan Hill has become a weapon for Mississippi State with just over 1,200 yards rushing this season, averaging 5.8 yards a carry. Um, to me, this game will come down to the defense, which is uh, State's defense, rather, which is 66 in the nation, giving up just under 400 yards a game. Old Miss offense is has pretty much one trick, but they're really good at it. Uh, John Rice Plumley needs 11 yards to eclipse the 1,000-yard mark, and I think he'll get it this game. I like what Plumley is doing, but I don't know if that'll be enough for the Rebels. Give me Mississippi State to cover and to win. All right, Tyler, what's your pick? Good stuff, Josh, as always, man. Good to have you back on here, buddy. Um, you know, there's a lot of similarities between these two teams. I've, I, I've tried to watch as much of these two teams as I could throughout the season, but uh, man, it, it was a tough watch. Uh, but I'll say Ole Miss, they've been playing better lately. But, you know, if you look at look at these two teams, again, a lot of similarities. Ole Miss, they've lost four or five. Mississippi State's lost five of the last seven. They both feature dual-threat quarterbacks who kind of struggle with the passing part of the dual-threat. Uh, they both play two quarterbacks at times, and they both have had their struggles on defense. So I, I see a lot of similarities between these two teams. But the difference right now for me is the feeling around each of these programs. When you watch Ole Miss play, you kind of just – you hear their coaches talk and just, you know, you hear, you, you kind of listen to what their players are saying around the program and kind of just the vibe around there in Oxford. There's a lot more optimism there than there is around Starkville right now. There's frustration. There's a lot of talk about Joe Moore potentially leaving the program after this year. He was one of the front runners for that, for that uh, Rutgers job. And that's kind of died down a little bit, but there's still a lot of talk about like, him not being a fit there, him not feeling at home. They don't really like him there. So just kind of the vibe around those two programs is just different right now. And Ole Miss, like when they inserted Plumlee early in, earlier in the year as a starting quarterback, they certainly found some of the other offense got kick-started. They've gone for over 600 yards a game their last two games. And one of those games was against the number two team in the country. I know LSU's had their struggles defensively at times, but nowhere near like that. I mean, Ole Miss took it to them offensively. Uh, and you could say, like, what I've heard people say is that, yeah, Ole Miss is, is one-dimensional right now with Plumlee. They can't throw the football. And that's true. That's that's not uh, inaccurate. But I, what I would say to that is that they're no more one-dimensional than what Mississippi State has been. They're actually right there neck and neck with each other in the conference rank, ratings uh, in passing yards. And in fact, Ole Miss is actually a little bit better uh, throwing the football recently than what Mississippi State has been. So Ole Miss is playing better right now. They have the more dynamic quarterback, in my opinion. I think Plumlee is, is going to be a stud for them. He's already so dynamic with his legs. It, this is in Starkville, which gives me a little bit of pause, but it's kind of like, you know, Charlie, you you knocked this one out of the park last week with Tennessee, Missouri. You picked Tennessee. You talked about how those are two programs kind of heading in different directions. And I kind of get that feel, maybe to a lesser degree, but I get that feel in this game. So even though this one's in Starkville, I, I just got a feeling about this. I'm going to go with Ole Miss, and they're playing better right now. It's a better vibe around the program. So give me the Rebels to uh, to win this one straight up. Okay. Let's go ahead and pick one of the bigger games on the day. In the state to the west of us, Bama is making the short trip to the Cow Park to take on the Auburn Tigers. Without Tua, the Tide are only favored by four on the road. Bama has to have this one to keep any semblance of a playoff hope alive, and Gus Malzahn may need this one to save his job. Or at the very least, he needs this one to avoid another hot seat plagued offseason. I have gone back and forth on this one all week. Um, you really I, have. I, yeah, because yeah, I can see it both ways. I'm going to let y'all talk about that. I'm picking Auburn with the upset. Um, Boom. I can, doing I, it. I, I'm not going to flip-flop because I already wrote it down. So I'm going Auburn to win this one. Josh, what's your pick? Um, This game is is – to me, it's not much of a game. Bama has been cruising along. 
despite the loss to LSU, while Alabama, excuse me, Auburn is still trying to get Bo Nix where they need them. Uh, Auburn is three and two over the past five games with losses to us and LSU. Bo Nix is a competent quarterback, but he has more to learn. He has 14 touchdowns to six interceptions. So to me, it says that he's he's not really protecting the ball that the way that Gus Malzahn wants him to. Auburn's defense is the strength of this team, but they stay on the field so much, and that's going to hurt any defense. Tua is out this game, but with those receivers, literally I could play quarterback for Alabama right now. Like, uh, Jerry Judy was the, the man coming into this season, but Devontae Smith has really, really showed out. The guy has 13 touchdowns on the season, and he is blazing fast. Um, Matt Jones has stepped in, and the train has kept on rolling. Bama is averaging 344 passing yards a game, which is good for third in the country. It's not the same Bama defense, but I think they're going to hold what they're supposed to hold. They're only allowing 16.2 points a game. Even though Alabama is traveling, I'm going to take the tie to win and to cover. All right, Tyler, what's your pick? Yeah, like Charlie, I've kind of gone back and forth on this one. Actually, like within the last hour, I've kind of gone back and forth on this one. Uh, I, I, I see it both ways. I, I can certainly see Auburn winning. I can see Bama going in there and winning this game as well. I will say that this is the best defense Bama will have faced to this point, and they're facing that defense with a backup quarterback. Now, saying that, Mac Jones has been good in his two starts. He's on 28 of 34 for 520 yards passing, six, touch, six touchdowns and no interceptions. And that lends a lot of credence to what you're saying there, Josh, with the, with the fact they just have a bunch of stud receivers and it might not matter who's playing quarterback. You just get the ball to them, they go out there and make plays. So it's been good in those two starts, although I will say those starts were against Arkansas and Western Carolina. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Maybe there's not going to be that much of a drop-off. We'll see. We'll see how valuable Tua really is to that offense. Uh, I would think that Auburn in this game has the ability to pressure Mac Jones a little bit and get to him. But – the thing is that offense is structured to get the ball out of his hands quickly. So that might take the pass rush advantage that Auburn would have in this game out of the equation to a degree. Uh, Bama is going to score points. Like Auburn is a, they're a good defense, but Bama is going to score some points. So what Auburn's going to have to do is obviously find a way to put up some points of their own. If they want to win this football game, I personally think this game is going to come down to the run game. Can Auburn limit the Bama run game and put more pressure on Mac Jones in a hostile environment? If they can do that, That'll give them a fighting chance here. And on the flip side, can Auburn run the ball against the B run on, especially if Raekwon Davis and DJ Dale are out again. Both those guys, Cornick Saban, are day-to-day. So they could give it a go. But even if they play, are they 100%? I don't know. Um, but for Auburn to have any kind of success, especially on the ground, they're going to need to, I think, I think they're going to need to use Bo Nix as a big part of the run game. And they really have kind of been hesitant to do that this year, especially once Joey Gatewood left the program because their backup is no longer with them. So, the, uh, you know, they've been really hesitant to, to kind of use Knicks in that true kind of dual threat way. But at this point in the year, is Alabama, last game of the regular season before you get to the bowl game. What do you have to lose here? Unleash the guy in the run game. Really like, kind of just bring the Gus Malzahn offense that we all learned all learned about over the past couple of years. Bring that back to the forefront. Unleash it. And I think if you, if you let Bo Knicks kind of free in that run game, I think you'll see – uh, a lot of success on the ground against this Bama defense. I really want Auburn to win this one, to knock Bama completely out of play at the playoff conversation. But I don't even know if it will. Like, for whatever reason, Bama's always in the playoff conversation. I think if they had four losses, they'd still be talking about them potentially in the top four, like right outside the edge there. Uh, it's just the way it runs with Bama. But, uh, you know, Bo Nix has been good at home. Bama's wounded. They're not I, – I, I just don't think Bama's as good this year as they have been. They have elite wide receivers, the best wide receivers I've seen in a while. But outside of that, I, I think there's some holes in this team – I think this is as good of a chance as any for Auburn to knock them off. I feel crazy saying this, and I'm sure I'm going to be wrong, but I'm actually going to go with Charlie on this one, and I'm going to take Auburn to pull off the straight-up upset in this one. Well, That's wishful thinking probably, but well, <laughs> I'm going to go with it. I want to go with my pick. You never know. It could be a good week or hey, a bad week. I, whatever yeah. you're doing has been working, so I'm well, going to roll with it. It's been a rough year for the Vanderbilt Commodores, but all can be forgiven and forgotten with another win over Tennessee. The Doors are going for their fourth straight win over the Vols and have actually won five of seven in the series. But Jeremy Pruitt has his team playing much better now down the stretch, and they are favored by 21 points at home. I'm going with Tennessee to win this one, but Vanny to cover. Josh, what's your pick? 
Charlie, I agree with you. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Tennessee has found their stride, uh, and and they've become bowl eligible, winning four out of the last five games. It seems Garantano being benched has somehow energized his play. Over the past five games, he had seven touchdowns to only one interception. Also putting up 415 yards passing against Mizzou. Um, he has pretty good wide receivers. Um, Jawan Jennings is all, he's really, really closing in on the 1,000-yard mark uh, for a receiver. Um, and they're going to have a good day against a Vandy defense that's allowing 438 yards a game. Keyshawn Vaughn is a man all the way, but he's the only consistent threat that it seems Vandy has. So when a team is – they're being limited to only the running game, and Riley Leal is trying, but – he just isn't putting enough. Eight touchdowns to five interceptions, um, 1,446 yards. Vaughn is the lifeblood of this team. And I don't think that Vandy has enough in the tank to handle the volunteers right now. Um, four o'clock at Tennessee, I'm taking the balls to win and surprisingly to cover this one. All right, Tyler, what's your pick? Uh, I'm totally with you there, Josh. This is a, you know, you guys know my stance on Vanderbilt. I'm not going to go too much in depth. We've got a lot of games to get to a rivalry week, but you guys know since early in the season, I just gave up on Vanderbilt. I told you guys that I was never going to pick them to win a game or cover a spread the rest of the way. And except for like, I think one week, it's, uh, it's, it's been a principle that's, that's kind of lived up to, uh, to uh, what I thought it would. And so I'm not going to go back on that at this point in the year. So very simply give me Tennessee to win at home and also cover the 21. I'm going to spend the rest of my time really quickly here saying just one thing. Uh, I hate Tennessee. I do not like Tennessee at all. I don't like anyone that that's a Tennessee fan. I don't like Tennessee players, but I do want to say this. I was watching that Missouri game last week. And uh, of course I got that pick wrong because I'm an idiot. But uh, at the end of that game, uh, Jared, Jared Guarantano, by the way, threw like 400 yards in that game. And I, I want to say that was a really good kind of feel good, feel good story. I don't like Tennessee. I don't particularly, I mean, but he's not a bad dude. And it was just, I know he's gone through a lot this year. And it was just kind of one of those good college ball stories to see a guy like that who's kind of had to persevere through a lot of a lot of issues this season to kind of come back and have that kind of game and get this team to bowl eligibility. So good for him, good for them. And uh they're gonna beat Vanderbilt and go to seven and five this year. Who would have thought that after the first two weeks of the season that how how toxic things were in Knoxville that we'd be sitting here saying they're gonna be seven and five this year. So uh, you know, I guess good for them, but I still hate them. Okay. <laughs> Positive, but also yet negative. I don't know. Do it's just an example of how college ball is the greatest thing in the history of the world. Do what you want with that, listeners. So this next game really shouldn't be much of a game, but crazy things happen in a rivalry game, so who knows. Clemson is making the short trip to Columbia to try to finish with another undefeated regular season. The Tigers are favored by 24 and a hook on the road. I'm going with Clemson to win, but South Carolina to cover. Josh, what's your pick? I'm I have the same position as Tyler with the Gamecocks. Like I absolutely hate the Gamecocks and I live in Columbia. So it is torture for me. Um with that being said, as much as I would love Carolina to knock Clemson out of the CFP race, I just don't see it happen. Um Clemson has coasted this season with a fairly easy schedule and their stats show it. They're averaging five hundred and forty three yards a game while only allowing two hundred and eighty three. Trevor Lawrence has an arsenal at his disposal, and he knows how to use it. Dabo Sweeney has really built a monster there at Clemson, and the way he's recruiting, things are really looking to stay the same there. Carolina will be without Brian Edwards, and that's their best player on offense. So Helensky is going to have to rely on a receiving core that at best has been a distraction for the other defenders this season. Uh, Feaster has been a, a really good jolt to this offense. Rico Dowdle, they're both playing well, but the rushing attack alone is not going to be enough to go against the Tigers. Um, Travis Etienne has 14 touchdowns, 1,335 yards. Um, the one thing that really sticks out to me, a lot of his rushing yards have, from the highlights and things that I've seen, the games I've watched, he likes to run up the middle, and it seems like that's where he breaks. So with the stout defensive line that Carolina has, I think they'll be able to slow him down, but I don't know if they'll really be able to stop them. Um, the cover is a really big number, but I'm going to take Clemson to win, 
And I I think Carolina will be able to keep it close enough so Clemson won't cover. So give me Clemson to win, but Carolina to cover. All right, Tyler, what's your pick? It's a great breakdown there, Josh. So, so uh, I, I'll keep this one short and simple. Clemson clearly has not really been tested this year, at least I guess since that North Carolina game earlier in the year. And I just don't think that this is the week where they will be tested for the second straight year down the stretch. South Carolina is kind of the walking wounded, maybe not to the degree of last year, but still got a lot of key, key players injured. Uh, foremost among them, Brian Edwards, who's clearly their best weapon offensively. And without him, they just – I don't see them saying much of a chance moving the football against one of the best defenses in America. I, I fully expect South Carolina to come out hot in this one, but they're going to be so totally overmatched as the game gets going uh, with some of those injuries. And, and look, they're they're not going to – like this is a team that's not going to – they're not going to catch Clemson off guard. In a rivalry game like this, like you might – like North Carolina kind of caught Clemson off guard, off guard earlier in the year. You don't catch someone off guard in a rivalry game. Clemson wants to win this game. They're going to be motivated. They want to stay alive in that cultural playoff race. And uh, they are – I just don't see this being the week where they're knocked out of contention. So give me Clemson to win. Again, I, this is one of the best defenses in America. I don't see how South Carolina is going to be able to put up enough points to cover the spread. So I'm going to go Clemson to win and also cover the 24-and-a-half. All right, next up, let's talk about Louisville at Kentucky. Kentucky was able to get to bowl eligibility last week with a win over UT Martin, but this week they're hosting in-state rival Louisville, who has been resurgent under first-year head coach Scott Satterfield. The Cats are favored by three at home, which tells you that the guys in Vegas, or women, uh, see these two teams as just about even. I'm going with Kentucky to win and cover this one. Josh, what's yeah, There's your a lot of women that set the odds there in Vegas, Hey, Charlie. you never know. A lot of women in the mob these days. I'm sure there are. You <laughs> know, kidding. there's Go at ahead. least one. <laughs> I love it. Josh, what's your pick? Um, both of these teams, it's been a bumpy season for them. They're looking for a spark going into bowl season. Both teams have went three and two over the past five games. The Cardinals are allowing 439 yards a game, and 256 of that 439 is through the air. However, that's going to be a tough hurdle for the Wildcats to cover since they're pretty much dependent on the running game. Lynn Bowden Jr. is their leading rusher, and he's 49 yards short of 1,000 yards rushing for the season. So that tells you that they're pretty much leaning on him. He has been a Swiss Army knife for this entire season, and his skill set is going to be needed for this one again. I, I, I really think that it's going to be a good game, but Kentucky at home, give me the Wildcats to win and to cover. All right, Tyler, what's your pick? All right, that, that's a good pick, Josh, and they got a lot of good reason to back up. I see it a little bit differently this week. I, I, I want to first off start by saying, like, Kentucky, that coaching staff, that team should 100% be applauded for finding a way to get to bowl eligibility this year. When Terry Wilson went down and then Sawyer Smith goes down with injury, I thought they were done for. Then you say Lynn Bowden to, uh, from wide receiver, insert at quarterback, and I wasn't sure how that was going to play out, but they have completely revamped their offense halfway through the season, and they got to bowl eligibility. And uh, that's just an outstanding effort by the coaching staff, by the players all the way around. So kudos to those guys. Uh, but their three SEC wins are against Vandy, Arkansas, and Missouri, a Missouri team without Kelly Bryant for the vast majority of that game. He hurt his ankle – or I'm sorry, pulled his hamstring in the first quarter of that game. And, and as, as well as they've done getting to bowl eligibility with a wide receiver playing quarterback, they're still so one-dimensional offensively. Um, in, in six games as a starter for Lynn Bowden, he's gone 28 of 60 through the air for 326 yards, passing two touchdowns, two interceptions. He's thrown less than seven passes in three of his last four games. Now, it's been, it's, he, they've done enough that way. But Scott Satterfield, he's trying to put the finishing touches on what has already been an incredible one-year turnaround for Louisville. And this Louisville team, I just don't know if – if Kentucky's going to be able to get away with doing what they've been doing and to win games the past couple of weeks against a good Louisville defense, an improved Louisville defense. Louisville has won three of their last four games, including a win over Virginia, who I would still say is probably the front runner to, well, I guess we'll find out this week when they play Virginia Tech, but has a good chance of still getting into the ACC title game this week. Um, Malik Cunningham at quarterback has totally solidified that offense. Louisville's not a great team. Don't get me wrong. They're not great, but they're playing well. And I think they have the more balanced offense in this game. And I, I think that they want to end the in this season, this turnaround season on the right note here with a win on the road against rival Kentucky. So give me Louisville to pull the outright upset in this one 
in Lexington. And before we move on to our next question, I do want to remind you guys quickly about our good friends at Vivid Seats. There's still plenty of time to get tickets for this weekend's game on the flats against the Yellow Jackets. All you got to do is go to Vivid Seats today. They have plenty of printed home options, got great prices, great selection. You'll find exactly what you're looking for. In my first of three Thanksgiving celebrations earlier this week with one part of my family, I had uh, a member of my family mention he was still looking for tickets. It was interesting going to the game. He thought it was late notice, thought it might be too late to get some tickets. But I just pointed him in the direction of Vivid Seats, and boom, within about 10 minutes, he found exactly what he was looking for, got some tickets, and he will be down there in Atlanta, fully clad in red and black, cheering on our dogs. Vivid Seats has also started a new rewards loyalty program where you can earn credits back. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app, and you'll be automatically enrolled in their Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. And when it's time to buy, all you have to do is, as a new user, enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Okay. In the battle for the Sunshine State, FSU is traveling to Gainesville to take on Dan Mullen's Florida Gators. Both teams had a bye last week, but only one team still has a head coach. Florida is trying to wrap up another 10-win season in our favor by 17 over the Knowles. I'm going with Florida to win and cover this. Josh, what's your pick? The ACC as a whole has not looked really good this year, and Florida State fits into that category. They are they are bowl eligible, but they're limping into this game with not a lot of fight in them. Um, it looks like Florida is looking for – more momentum going into bowl season. The Gators are averaging 416 yards per game, while the Seminoles are allowing 17 yards more on defense. So Trash should be able to put up, to be able to pad his stats with a pretty good receiving core. Um, FSU, like I said, is bowl eligible, but I think that's going to be the peak of their excitement for this year. They're fourth in the ACC Atlantic. They have to play at night in the swamp. Give me the Gators to win and to cover. All right, Tyler, what's your pick? Yeah, on paper, this is this is not going to be a close game. And on paper, you look at it, Florida is clearly the better football team. They're plus 1,250 yards in total yards differential, whereas Florida State is minus 200 yards. And this game is in Gainesville. The only reason Florida State would even have a possible chance to win this game is the mystical powers of rivalry weekend where crazy things find a way to happen. Uh, but on the field, it's just not a great matchup. Florida State did 114th nationally in pass defense. Florida is top 20 nationally in passing offense. Florida, Florida State is 122nd nationally in sacks allowed. Florida is top five nationally in sacks. So uh, it, it's just this is going to be – this potentially could be a bloodbath for Florida State. Maybe they kind of circle the wagons in the final game of the regular season and, and win one for the Gipper. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, but Florida, I hate to say it because I don't want them to win. Actually, I'm kind of torn this week. Like, obviously, we need all of our wins to look as good as possible, so we kind of need Florida to win this game for it to be like a top-10 caliber win, but it's just so hard for me. Like, it goes against every instinct I have to ever pull for Florida. But, uh, yeah, I think they're going to win this game, and I think they're going to cover the 17. I'm actually surprised that spread's a little bit bigger than it is. Okay. Well, and what has to be maybe the most brutal final two-game stretch in the history of college football, Texas A&M is heading to Baton Rouge to take on number two-ranked LSU a week after playing here in Athens. As a 17-point road dog, the Aggies are getting at least a little bit of respect given the lines for all of LSU's other games. I'm going with LSU to win this one, but Texas A&M to cover. Josh, what's your pick? The juggernaut that is LSU at night at home. Like, who really wants to play with play against that this week? Um, LSU's defense has been fairly generous this year. Um, they're giving up points a game, and it doesn't seem really good. But with people like Grant Delpit, Mike Divinity, and Rashawn Lawrence, they're doing their part. The offense is what has inspired so much love for the Tigers this season. Burrow, Edwards, Lair, Chase, Jefferson, Moss. Like, who do you stop? It, it's so many weapons on offense. A&M, like you said, Charlie, is coming off a loss to us that they tried to steal uh, at the last minute. Back-to-back weeks against tough teams that are their respective representatives for their size of the conference. 
A&M cannot catch a break. Mun would have to lean on Osborne and tight freshman tight end Weidemeyer, but it's not going to be enough. LSU to win this one and to cover this one. All right, Tyler. Yeah, uh, LSU, like like you said there, Josh. I mean, LSU at home at night. There's just not too many teams outside of Alabama that go in there and win those games, those situations. And Texas A&M is a good team. We saw that last week, and I told you guys coming into last week that A&M is playing their best football this season. I stand by that statement. And LSU's vulnerability on defense has been through the air. And A&M does have a group of wide receivers that can certainly make some plays. We saw that last week as well. The A&M defense is as good as the Auburn defense that held the Tigers to 23 points in that same stadium. But at the end of the day, that LSU passing game is just too dynamic right now. If you factor that in along with the, the issues that Texas A&M has had running the football, I think this is going to be a game where, where LSU is going to find a way to win. A&M is going to put up a fight. There's no doubt there. But I also say LSU is going to be out to make a point after getting dropped in the rankings. I know it doesn't really matter, number one, number two. It doesn't really matter right now. But they're going to be out to make a point. There's no doubt there at home, at night. It's just a tough spot for AM coming off the loss last week. They put a lot in that game here in Athens, and uh, I just don't see them having enough to get the win here. But I'm going to go LSU to win. But you know what? I do think AM is playing some good football right now, and I do like the receivers against that, that LSU pass defense. So I'm going to actually t- take AM to get maybe the backdoor cover late in this game. All right. Finally, leaving the SEC, Minnesota is hosting Wisconsin in a game that is for all the marbles in the Big Ten West. The winner gets the opportunity to be the sacrificial lamb for Ohio State next week in Indianapolis. The Badgers are actually the two-and-a-half-point road favorite in the Great White North this week. However, I'm going with Minnesota to win this one. Josh, what's your pick? The Gophers are surging despite a few slip-ups this season. The Badgers are on their heels. Both teams are playing for the Big Ten West crown, along with the chance to knock off Old State and possibly try to find a way back into the CFP, or excuse me, into the CFP. Both quarterbacks have had good seasons, and the teams look very similar on paper. Uh, I think it comes down to whoever defense shows up, that's going to decide the game. Uh, Wisconsin, over the past five games, is 3-2, and two, and they were stunned by Illinois, and then they got beat down by Ohio State. They rebounded with a win against Iowa 24-22, to but when Minnesota played Iowa, they lost 23 to 19. So I, I think this one is going to really show that Minnesota is for real. Um, Wisconsin seems to me to be a one-trick pony. They're really, really good at running the ball. But other than that, they're just average. Minnesota has really, really come out to show the, the whole entire nation that they're for real. I'm going to take the Gophers to win and to cover this one. All right, Tyler. Yeah, this is two really evenly matched teams. Wisconsin is slightly better offensively. And uh, these two teams are number three and number four in the Big Ten and total defense. So they're right about the same caliber team. For Minnesota, it's all about slowing down Jonathan Taylor. We all know that. This dude has 12 200-yard games in his career. When I saw that stat this week, I about lost my mind. 12 200-yard games? Uh, that's That's just insanity. But Minnesota, their 27th nationally in rush defense. Not an elite, but still a good rush defense. Uh, Taron Morgan is back at quarterback. I love the Minnesota passing game with Bateman and Johnson out there. It's a very balanced offense as well uh, with, with Johnson at running back. I, I have very little confidence in this one. This is one of those games that, to me, is, is very much a toss-up. So when, when you have a situation like that where you just don't quite know, you can see it going either way. I'm going to go with the home team and the team I think has the better offense and a defense good enough to limit what I think is clearly, like Josh said, a one-dimensional offense. So give me the Gophers to win straight up at home and find their way in the Big Ten title game. That's crazy. All right. And another winner-takes-all game. Virginia is playing host to Virginia Tech on Friday afternoon for the ACC Coastal Division title. Virginia Tech has won each of the last 15 matchups between the two teams and 19 of the last 20. They've owned this series, but the Hoos have designs on changing that. Like Wisconsin, Virginia Tech is a slight road favorite, giving two points on the road. I'm going with Virginia to win this one. Uh, Josh, what's your pick? A big game, a good matchup. Both teams have won four of the last five. However, the, the Hokies' loss came to a good Notre Dame team, and they have also shut out the past two opponents that they played, Pitt and Georgia Tech. 
But James Bryce Perkins has been up and down this year, and he's also the leading passer and rusher for the team. So that tells you a lot about their offense. While sophomore Hendon Hooker has thrown 10 touchdowns and not thrown a pick yet, Bryce Perkins has 15 touchdowns to eight interceptions. So we can see who's taking care of the ball. Um, FPI is giving the Cavaliers a 64.5 chance to win the game at home, but I like the Hokies in this one. Give me Virginia Tech to win and to cover. Tyler? It's a good pick there, man. This is against another one that I have very little confidence in, a lot like that Minnesota-Wisconsin game. There's a lot of similarities there. Virginia Virginia Tech has improved dramatically on defense over the past couple of weeks. Through the first eight games of the year, that that defense was giving up 402 yards a game. But over the last three, they're only giving up 204 yards a game. That that is a dramatic improvement over the course of the year. Bud Foster getting getting it done here down the stretch in his final season on the job. Uh, But Virginia has been doing that all year. I mean, they're 23rd nationally in total defense, giving up only 323 yards a game. Hendon Hooker has has been kind of a godsend for that Virginia Tech offense. The issue they were having early in the year is they just could not run the football to save their life. And Ryan Wills is just making too many many mistakes at quarterback. So they insert Hendon Hooker, and he's helped the run game. Uh, He's a dual-threat type guy, but not, not really a dynamic passer, a good enough passer, along with his legs, to kind of make a difference for that offense. But when I look at these two teams, I just see, to me, Virginia has more playmakers on offense. And that could be because I've watched more of Virginia throughout the year. But I think they have more playmakers on offense, whether it's Janet, wide receiver, Reed, Dubois, wide receiver, uh, Perkins himself at quarterback. And I, and I think they have the far more experienced quarterback with Bryce Perkins. So at home, more experienced quarterback, more playmakers on offense, pretty evenly matched defenses. They've also been winning all year for this. I think, what, 15 in a row? Is that what you said, Charlie? Like 15 in a row for Virginia Tech? Yeah. Uh, that's a big number. And, and Virginia had them on the road in Blacksburg last year and blew it down the stretch. They've been waiting all year for this one for a chance of redemption. So um, give me Virginia in a close one to pull out the outright upset here. I'm going to say Virginia by a field goal late in this one. All right, Bedlam is one of the more fun rivalry series, and this year Oklahoma is traveling to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State. The Sooners have barely been getting by the past few weeks, but are favored by 12 over the Pokes. I'm going with Oklahoma to win this one, but Oklahoma State to cover. Josh, what's your pick? Charlie, I like that pick. Um, Jalen Hurts has been uh, somewhat of a new lifeline for Oklahoma this year with the with the leaving of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, you were wondering who was going to be the next quarterback to step in and really show off for the Sooners. Jalen Hurts has filled that role. He is the leading passer and the leading rusher for this team. Uh, if he throws a one-yard pass to C.D. Lamb, C.D. Lamb will be over 1,000 yards. So that connection right there has been really, really big for the Sooners. Um, Oklahoma State, They've been a fairly decent team, five and three in the conference, eight and three on the season. Um, it looks like Sanders hasn't really taken care of the ball, and anytime that you turn the ball over, that's going to hurt your team. Um, the, he also has a good connection with Wallace, uh, 903 passing yards. I mean, excuse me, receiving yards and eight touchdowns over the season. The the thing that this is going to come down to me is whoever's defense can really really show up. Oklahoma is averaging 574 yards a game, and 316 of that is in the air. Um, Over the past five games, Oklahoma has looked fairly good um, with a win over Baylor, a close win, but a win. Now, they were stunned by Kansas State, but they've seemed to right the ship from that. They have not really blown anyone out, but a win is a win. That's all that matters. Give me the Sooners to win this one, but I'm going to say Oklahoma State to cover. All right, Tyler, what's your pick? Yeah, this is an interesting game for me. Yeah, I've watched Oklahoma closely the past couple of weeks, some of these big matchups against Baylor and TCU, and I just don't think this Oklahoma offense is the same yet. The numbers say that they, they're still really, really, really good in offense, and they are. They're really good. It's just not as explosive an offense as, as it's been the past couple of years, and they don't have as many playmakers on offense. Yes, Jalen Hurts is a stud. And yes, CeeDee Lamb is a monster wide receiver, but those are their two dudes. And when CeeDee Lamb was out against Baylor, they really struggled how to kind of grind that out. But maybe that's that's a sign that this team can can win in different ways. Uh, but I will say the past couple weeks, Hurts has become a turnover machine. 
Uh, now, he has made a lot of plays for them. He's turned the ball over and put his team in some bad spots. Uh, they've won three in a row since that loss at Kansas State, but they've won those three games by a combined eight points. Uh, if Spencer Sanders was playing at quarterback for Oklahoma State, I might be inclined to call for the upset here. But he's out again this week. He might be back for the bowl game. He's not playing in Bedlam. Uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State is at home, but without their starting quarterback and their best wide receiver now, they've been out been without him for a couple of weeks. Uh, it's going to take a career day from Chuba Hubbard at running back. And Hubbard is, I mean, he's been as good as anyone, at least as productive as any running back in the country this year. Oklahoma is going to be 100% keyed on stopping him, though. There's no doubt there. And without Sanders, uh, I, I just I don't know if there's enough weapons around Hubbard to make Oklahoma pay. So I'm going to take Oklahoma or to make Oklahoma State pay, or to make Oklahoma pay. I can't get it right. Uh, but I'm going to take Oklahoma to win this one. Their offense has turned into a modern spread version of the wishbone the past couple weeks, and they aren't putting up near the numbers offensively. So you factor that in with the fact this is a rivalry game. I'm going to take the Pokes to cover the 12 points at home. Okay. In the new window, Ohio State might be facing their biggest challenge yet as they head to Ann Arbor to take on Jim Harbaugh's Michigan Wolverines. After last year's blowout at the hands of the Buckeyes, the Wolverines have their minds on revenge and possibly knocking Ohio State out of playoff position. But the Buckeyes are favored by eight and a hook on the road. I'm going with Michigan to win this one. Josh, what's your pick? Charlie, I really want to make that pick. I would love for Michigan to spoil Ohio State season. And it seems like every year they have a letdown game, but I just do not see it happen. Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins have become a two-headed monster in that backfield. Uh, with the RPO, the zone reads, you never know who to cover, who has the ball until the last minute. Um, I don't think Ohio State has really been tested too much this season, but despite that, they have looked the part. Um, They've destroyed pretty much everyone that they've played, including uh, Maryland, 73-14. to 14. These guys are dismantling teams. Penn State had a chance, but they let it slip away. I think the key for Ohio State is not necessarily their offense. It's Chase Young on defense. Once uh, Penn State decided to chip him with a running back, they really showed, slowed down the pass rush, and they were able to move the ball down the field. If Michigan State, excuse me, if Michigan can do that and Shea Patterson shows up, they can be a formidable foe for the Buckeyes. They've won four of the last five, including a big win over Notre Dame, and they seem to write the ship. They look very comfortable, but Ohio State is only allowing 91 rushing yards. It's going to be a good matchup, but I think Ohio State is going to pull this one out, and I think also they'll, they're going to cover this one. Okay, Tyler? Yeah, I really – I'm with you, Charlie. I, w- I want to try to – well, I'm not quite with you. I want to be with you, but I, I just I'm, – I'm kind of with Josh here. I don't think I can actually make that pick. I, I will say, I think we're going to find out just how good Justin Fields is in this game because that Michigan defense is legit, and they've steadily improved throughout the season. Right now, as it currently sits, they're fourth nationally in total defense, third nationally in yards per play, fourth nationally in pass defense, 10th nationally in scoring defense. They have not given up 300 yards in a game since they gave up 487 yards to Wisconsin in week three. They've held three of their last four opponents under 100 yards rushing, and and each of the last four opponents under three yards a rush. This has been a dominant defense over the past five to six weeks. We all know Ohio State themselves. They've been dominant uh, really on both sides of the ball. Obviously, they are very, very good. But Michigan, I'm telling you, Michigan's going to do everything they can to take away the run game and force Justin Fields to beat them through the air. You want to make teams play left-handed, and forcing Fields to beat you through the air is making them play left-handed. But what Ohio State likes to do is they like to spread everyone out and force defenses to play with five guys in the box. And uh, they can do that with the playmakers out wide. It makes it di- That makes it really difficult to defend Ohio State because with a dual-threat quarterback – when you have five guys in the box, so that means you either have five blockers on four defenders because you're reading one of those five defenders, or you have six blockers on five defenders if you have the running back turned to a lead blocker. So in those situations, you have to get a safety in the box to defend against the run, but that means you have to play either man or cover three on the in the back end, and you also can't really disguise what you're doing as well, which makes it very easy for teams to kind of read what you're doing, leads you vulnerable to getting beat through the air. But defense coordinator Don Brown lives and dies by press man coverage on the outside. He's going to try to get a safety involved in the run game early on to try to take that away, see if they can live live with 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 that setup. So it's going to come down to whether the Ohio State wide receivers and Justin Fields can make Michigan pay through the air. 
We'll see. That's going to be a big matchup uh, in this game. If Fields can make them pay, they can burn them, then Michigan's got no no shot here. Now, the other big question is, can the Michigan offense score enough points to win this game? They have found some life the last few weeks, averaging 461 yards a game and 42 points per game, uh, I think, over the last two games. Patterson himself has thrown for 384 and 366 in this past two games, which is night and day different from what he was doing earlier in the year when he was getting killed, uh, justifiably so. Um, so I think Ohio State is going to be in for a fight on Saturday. And I really I really believe the Michigan defense is going to be up to the challenge. And I really want to call for the outright upset like Charlie. But at the end of the day, I'm just not sure the Michigan offense can make enough plays against a really, really good Ohio State defense. And that's going to be the, the, be the difference in this game. So give me Ohio State to, uh, to win. But I am going to take Michigan to get like the, maybe a backdoor cover on this one. And finally, it's time to talk about some clean, old-fashioned hate as our Georgia Bulldogs make the short trip down 85 to our second home in Atlanta to take on the North Avenue Trade School. With Tech 3-8 and eight on the season, the line is a big one with us favored by 28. I'm going with Georgia to win this one. I feel like 28 is a lot to cover lately well, with our offense it is a lot because we haven't been scoring 28 points i know but maybe since it's like our second home stadium we'll and tech build, does just suck at build life. some confidence i'm gonna go with georgia to win and cover josh what's your pick um normally i would be super stoked about this game um me and my wife are actually moving to atlanta so i'm loving the fact that i can go to atlanta with a win under my belt um, this game to me is going to be a tune-up. It's going to be a time for us to actually polish up some of the rough edges with our season. Uh, I'm hoping Fromm really comes out. We are a really, really good team when Fromm plays well. Um, with that being said, I think this is a game for a lot of our players to rest. I would not push Cager. I would not push um, Ben Cleveland. I wouldn't push Cade Mays. You know, I would want our guys – to run and get a lot of rest under their belt. Um, we're averaging 413 yards a game in offense, only allowing 267. While Tech is allowing just under 300 yards a game, and they're allowing 415. Uh, this game plays into our hand all the way through. I think this is the worst side of the coin for um, what Kentucky is doing. Tech is converting from a wishbone, wing tee, triple option team to a whole nother offense within a season is not going to work. They don't have the players. They don't have the skill set. We should win this one handily. I'm not going to say that we're going to cover. Kirby has made it very clear. Style points don't matter. So I'm going to take our Bulldogs to win, but we're not going to cover. All right. Tyler, what's your pick? Tech sucks. We win the end. No. <laughs> I don't know. I'll give you a little bit more than that. In all seriousness, they do suck. Uh, but they have been better of late, with the exception, of course, that 45 nothing beatdown at home by Virginia Tech. But this is just a bad matchup for Tech. Josh gave you guys some great numbers there. But the, this Tech offense, they're, they're, ranked a number, they're ranked 123rd nationally in total offense versus the number five ranked defense in the country. Tech has also not gained 400 yards one time all season long. And, oh, on the flip side, by the way, we haven't given up 400 yards one time all season long. They're number 122 nationally in scoring offense, going against the number two scoring defense nationally. They're 119th nationally in rush defense, uh, giving up 214 yards a game on the ground. And we, of course, are a very run-heavy offense. Um, they, I will say they've improved from where they were at the beginning of this season. They become like at least a slightly more competent passing offense with James Graham at quarterback. They do have a couple of playmakers out wide, but make no mistake, they want to run the football. Jordan Mason's a solid physical back, and, and Graham gives them the ability to run some option-based stuff out of the spread looks. So it'll be a little bit of a different rushing attack than what we faced this year, but it's just so hard to imagine they're going to have a lot of success on the ground against our number two ranked rushing defense. And if they don't have a lot of success on the ground, they just don't have the passing game to consistently drive down the, the field and score enough to win this game. They just don't. And I, I have look, I have no doubt in my mind it's tech. They're gonna come out and empty the freaking kitchen sink. We're gonna see trick plays, gonna go for it on fourth down. Hell, it wouldn't surprise me if they came out run the full on triple option again for one week only. 
Um, but we're just going to have to play hard, play smart, play discipline, all that stuff. Don't turn the ball over on offense, score touchdowns in the red zone, play good special teams. If we do all those things, we win the football game because it's a colossal mismatch. And we just have to take them seriously. Bottom line, just take them seriously. Don't be looking ahead, and we win this football game. We go try to take care of business in Atlanta again the following week against LSU. But I'm, I'm with you guys. 28 points is a lot of points for an offense that hasn't exactly lit the scoreboard up of late. And this is kind of some, like, uh, real-time stuff here. I, and like, I don't know the severity of it, but uh, as the uh, – I got some some text here as we're recording this show. Uh, Josh, I don't know if you've gotten this, man. Lawrence Cager looks like he went down the end of practice today. Uh, some sort of ankle injury. We don't know the severity of it. So that – I'm trying to process that. That, I, that just – my heart is broken. Um, wow, that sucks. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see what, what's going on there. I don't know. Just kind of some real-time news breaking here on the show, uh, but uh, we'll see what happens there. But it certainly doesn't look like he's going to play this week. He probably wasn't going to anyway. I don't know. But uh, without him, you know, our offense just hasn't hasn't been dynamic. So I'm going to say we win. I really want to say we cover because Tech's terrible. But I don't know, man. I, our offense can't – I don't know. I don't even know if we can score 28 points on anybody, even Tech. So uh, take us to win uh, comfortably, but I'm going to take Tech to cover as well. I hope you're I hope I'm wrong. It just feels dirty, nasty to even say that. But I mean, our offense has just been what it's been. So um, that's it. All right, guys. We really appreciate it. Josh, you are absolutely 100 percent the man, dude. We really appreciate you coming on the show today. I know you were kind of nervous. This was this was um, kind of late notice, short notice for you. And uh, you came on absolutely killed it again, carried the show for us today. So we really appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much, man. I can't tell you how much it means to me. Uh, lifelong dog fan, actually being able to talk football, Georgia football, man, it means the world to me. I cannot thank you enough for it. Oh, of course, my man. And, and hey, that's exciting news here. You're moving to Atlanta, dude. We have to get together sometime, maybe next football season. You tell me when, and I am there. Let's do it, my friend. Let's do it. But uh, we really appreciate it. And happy Thanksgiving, Josh. And to all of our listeners out there, happy Thanksgiving to all you guys. Have safe travels and have fun with the family, a lot of good food. And uh, let's get ready to take out some hatred on the Yellow Jackets. But, uh, All right, guys, that's it. So for Charlie, Josh, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. Go dogs.